you, would you turn to Matthew chapter 6? We're working through the Sermon on the Mount. And um, last week we started looking at what Jesus was saying about treasures, treasuries. And so um, Martin Lloyd-Jones, who's a great theologian, tells the story of a farmer. And the farmer joyfully bounded into the kitchen one day to announce some good news to his wife. Their finest cow had just given birth to twins, a brown calf and a white calf. And he said, I just feel like we need to give one of these to the Lord. So we'll bring them up together, and when we sell them, we'll keep the proceeds from one and give the proceeds from the other one to the Lord. And his wife said, like we would think, which one is the Lord's? And he said, well, it doesn't really matter. We're just going to bring them, raise them together. Well, some months later, he ambled into the kitchen, and he was very sad. And she said, well, what's wrong? And he said, the Lord's cow died. So it seems that that's usually the case, doesn't it? Uh, I guess, truthfully, we all tend to want to lay up treasures on earth. And I think literally what Jesus is talking about in these passages is money, but there are other things, you know, clothes, shoes, time, you know, all of those things that we tend to, tend to hoard because that pull of sin just drags us like a magnet. And we're drawn to being rich toward self instead of being rich toward God. Um, we want to hold on to that. You know, it is, it is so sad that some of the worst family situations come after a death when you're dealing with an estate. Are y'all aware of that? Stuff shows up when money becomes involved that has never shown up before. We've got that pull in us from our sin nature. Well, last week we were in chapter 6 of Matthew and we were talking about luxuries. And in verses 19 through 21, Jesus is talking about the extras. He's talking about things that are not really the necessities. So he says, beginning in verse 19, do not lay up for yourselves treasures luxuries on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or steal for where your treasure is there will your heart be also so last week we looked at luxuries we looked at the treasuries we looked at the extra stuff that we want to keep and hold on to the heart of the whole passage is verse 21. Did you see it? For where your treasure is, what? There is your heart also. So the big question for me is where's my heart? Where's my heart? Um, is it always the Lord's cow that dies? And sometimes that can be true of us. It's just our, it's our bent if we don't think about it. You know, so I have to constantly think, you know, is what I'm doing, is this for me or is it for him? So wherever my heart is, 
that's where I'm going to put my investment. Now that is true of my time. It is true of what I read. It is true of my money. It's just true of my life, you know. Where, whatever concerns me the most, you know, you're gonna hear, hear people say this all the time. I, I, want, I, would do, I want to do that, but I just don't have time. Or I just can't come because of so-and-so and so-and-so. Well, what would make you stop? what you're doing and do it. Would it be a child's ball game? Would it be a funeral? You know, what, what would make you reschedule your time? And so time is another thing that belongs to the Lord that we want to, to hold before him. Well, in today's passage, Jesus begins talking about necessities, not luxuries, but necessities. He's talking in here about eating and drinking and clothing and a place to sleep, those bare necessities. And so Still, the whole heart of the matter is verse 21. Where your heart is, there your treasures will be also. So the Pharisees had their heart on the earth. Now remember when Jesus is preaching this sermon that he is primarily setting up a contrast between what the Pharisees and scribes believed and were teaching and what God says. Now remember that the scribes and Pharisees Jesus had said, if your righteousness does not exceed theirs, then you're not going to inherit the kingdom of heaven. What did they think? They thought they could do it all on their own. And so um, they've got their hearts on the earth instead of on the Lord. So our hearts and our treasures go together. You can tell what somebody really likes and loves by how they spend their time, by what's in our houses, um, you know, there are always those clues out there. But the basis here is a single, simple-minded devotion to God and his goals that are undistracted by the world. What kind of a focus do I have on him? That's to be pure in heart, is to be single-minded, single-hearted, focused on the Lord. Not that other things don't come up, not that we don't do other things, but the root, the whole thing, is our heart toward the Lord. So when our hearts are right, then our giving to the Lord is going to be right. That's the bottom line. So we saw last week that there are two treasuries. Uh, there's one treasury on earth. There's another one in heaven. And Jesus basically just said in the lesson last week, don't hoard luxuries. Don't hoard luxuries. Now... It is not wrong to accumulate money. It is not wrong to accumulate money and possessions that are going to be invested for God's purposes. Set aside for things that he calls for. He calls us. It's part of being a kingdom of God to take care of our families. Um, to take care of our extended families. Maybe people in the church. To take care to help people who are lost. Who have genuine needs. Um, the causes of God around the world, investing in souls. So all of those things are God things. And so to selfishly stockpile with greed or covetousness is where the tension begins. That's where the war begins. And so the Lord just says, don't do it. Don't do it. This is not all about you. Now notice in verse 20 here, Matthew 6 and verse 20, that is a command what did he say? Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Well, how do we do that? 
Well, I'm going to get you to do a little flipping with me, okay? So turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. It's on toward the back, and these little short books sometimes are hard to find. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Right after Thessalonians, they're easier to find. So 1 Timothy is right after 2 Thessalonians. So 1 Timothy and chapter 6, verse 17 says this. Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but, are, but on God who richly supplies us with all things to what? Enjoy. So is it wrong to enjoy things? No. But look at verse 18. Instead, instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. So um, putting it um, in summary fashion, he says, don't let your riches make you proud. Don't let your riches make you proud. Don't trust in riches. Instead, do good works and be ready to share. Okay, those four things. So when we do that, we're investing in heaven. Those treasures are in heaven. They're not on the earth. Uh, flip on back. Well, let me just read you this one. Mark chapter 10, verse 21. He says, sell what you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. The principle is the same. Now, notice he didn't sell. He didn't say sell everything you need. He didn't say anything in that passage. It's, the principle is the same. It's not about selling what you need. S sell what is stockpiled, stockpiled that you don't need that you will never need. And so Luke chapter 12, verse 33 says, sell what you have and give alms. Well, what's giving alms? Giving alms is to give to poor people. So just look at that one. Let me show, show you that one. It's Luke. Luke's easy to find. Matthew, Mark, Luke chapter 12 and verse 33. Sell your possessions and give to charity. Make yourselves purses which do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes near nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So he's saying, provide yourselves bags which don't grow old. Don't stick your money in bags that are going to rot and decay. Instead, Put your treasures in deposit in heaven. And you do that by good works. Now, I, just, let's just take time and do this. Look at Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25, beginning in verse 13. And let's just, I'm just going to take the time to read this. Jesus gives the parable of, sometimes we call it the parable of the talents. Beginning in verse 13. Jesus is speaking. He says, Be on the alert then, for you do not know the day or the hour. For it's it is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. 
And to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to his own ability, and he went on his journey. Immediately the one who had received the five talents went out and traded with them and gained five more. In the same manner, the one who had received the two talents gained two more. But he who received the one talent went away and dug a hole and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of the slaves came and settled accounts with them. And the one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me, and I've gained five more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. The one also who had received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I've gained two more. And the master said, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one who had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you were a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid. And I went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But his master answered and said to him, You wicked, lazy slave. You knew that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have put my money in the bank. And on my arrival, I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has shall more be given, and he, that has an, and he shall have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. And cast out the worthless slave into the outer darkness. In that place there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, and he will sit on his glorious throne, and all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them from one another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, and he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Watch it. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison. You came unto me. Now, those are good works. Okay, what Timothy tell us? Do good works, right? There's a list of them. Verse 37, then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in or naked and clothed you? And when, when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to him, truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. And then he will also say to those on his left, Depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger. You did not invite me in. I was naked, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. And then they themselves 
will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and didn't take care of you? And he will answer and say to them, truly, I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it unto me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. There's good works, you know. So Proverbs 19:17 says, "He that hath pity on the poor lendeth to the Lord." He that hath pity on the poor lendeth to the Lord. So it's a loan and the Lord is going to pay you back. Eternal dividends. So there are two treasuries. There's a treasury in heaven. There's a treasury in earth or a depository. So back to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 22, because this is a rich, rich verse. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 22. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. That's a rich verse. And we could camp out there for a long time, but let's put it in context. He's been talking about the heart, right? He wants us to have a heart that is focused on the kingdom of God, that is focused on God's things. So that's where our treasure is. Our heart is there in God's treasure. Our heart is focused on God's things. And so then he illustrates with the eye. Now we receive light into our body by our eyes, don't we? Uh, light comes into our bodies through the eyes. So that's the way it is toward God. He's making a spiritual parallel here. And so when your heart is toward God, then it's going to light your whole spiritual being. If it's toward material things, the treasure of the world, that, that, that's going to shut out our spiritual perceptions. Now think about that for a minute. If my body is light, if I'm receiving God's light, then that's going to affect my spiritual perceptions. It's going to affect what I do. But if, if it's toward material things, then that darkness is going to mean that I cannot see spiritual things very well. Now, here's when it gets interesting. Notice the word in verse 22. I don't know what your uh, translation would say, this Bible says clear. The lamp of the body is the eye. If your eye is clear, uh, your translation may say healthy uh, or single, you know, whatever. That word in the original language is literally from the root of the Greek word, which means generous. Is your brain going over that? That word comes from the Greek word that means generous. Now, for time's sake, I'm just going to let you jot these down because this same word is in James 1, chapter 5, Romans 12, chapter 8, and I didn't write down the verse, but it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Okay, same word. And so if your heart, what he's saying is, literally, is if your heart is generous, your whole spiritual life will be flooded with spiritual understanding. Did you get that? 
if your heart is generous toward the Lord, your whole spiritual life will be flooded with spiritual understanding. Bottom line is this, until we take care of our view of money and things, our lives will not be able to perceive spiritual things. So if we want to understand more of God and understand more of his word, then we've got to be sure that we hold before him our attitudes about things, material things, money, selfishness with my time. So um, then, you know, it begs the question, what is an evil eye? What is an evil eye? Um, the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But, verse 23, if your eye is bad or if your eye is evil, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? What is an evil eye? Deuteronomy chapter 15 and verse 9 talks about when you have a slave. Back then, if, if you owned a slave, every 50 years there was something called the year of Jubilee. And so Deuteronomy 15 is talking about that. And so you have a slave and the Jubilee year is coming when you have to free your slave. Now you can free your slave freely, generously, with a clear eye, or you can free your slave with an evil eye, which means I begrudge this. I really don't want to do this. I really don't want to set you free. So it was a Jewish colloquialism is what it was, and it meant grudgingly. So Deuteronomy 15 tells us that if I let my slave go grudgingly, then I've got an evil eye. I have an ungenerous eye. So you're not generous, you're not stingy, you begrudge the freedom or begrudge giving something to somebody else. That is an evil eye right here in this verse in Matthew 6. Proverbs 23, 6 says, Eat not the bread of him who has an evil eye. Eat not the bread of him who has an evil eye. In other words, don't take a bite of somebody's food if they begrudge your eating it. Makes pretty good sense, doesn't it? Uh, don't, if somebody's going to envy what they're giving you or giving it to you selfishly, then just don't take it. So right here then, back to Matthew 6, 23. But if your eyes bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. The darkness is great for one who should see spiritually, but pulls down the shades because he's covetous. We shut out the light that would come into our eyes when we don't have that generous, godly heart. We don't have that giving heart so how we handle our money is our key to spiritual perception how we handle our hearts whether or not our hearts are generous toward the Lord whether we understand that we are conduits 
of what the Lord has given to give to the kingdom. Now listen, this is not a call to do something foolish with what you have. It is a call to hold everything before the Lord and follow his instructions. Go back to the beginning. It is not wrong to accumulate wealth. What is wrong is to want to hold on to it for me. If I'm holding on to it for the Lord, for the things that the Lord has told me to do with it, what's he told me to do? He's told me to take care of my family. He's told me to help feed the hungry. He's told me to, you, you saw it in the Matthew 25 chapter. Those are good things. He said, when you do good works, you are making your deposit in your heavenly treasury. Your heavenly depository. So, verse 24, chapter 6. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or he will hold to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, the word here that is the key word is the word serve. Uh, it is the word from which we get our word slave. Now, by definition, slavery means a single ownership. Um, it means full-time service. If I own a slave, that slave is my slave, and that slave is not to share his stuff with somebody else. He's mine. It's ownership. It's full-time service. So in the early days, a slave had no rights. A slave had no rights. Um, I'm going to stick this in because it's on my mind. Um, the choir this morning is singing a spiritual. Um, what's the name of it? Steal Away. The choir is singing Steal Away. That is a spiritual. That song was written by a slave. He was the slave of a Choctaw Indian. And it's a really interesting story, but what I want to tell you is that, you know, once the slaves were freed, but when they were, when they were still slaves, they could not read, they could not write, they could not have public gatherings. So one of the ways they used these spirituals that they wrote was to honor God because they were believers, they knew God's word, they had been taught, but also as messages to code to one another when they were going to run away. The same guy that wrote the song, the same slave that wrote the song the choir's going to sing this morning also wrote Swing Low, Sweet Chariot. But you're going to hear Steal Away. What does Steal Away mean, Ron? Now they're singing Steal Away to Jesus, and ultimately that's really what it means. But Steal Away, Steal Away Home, I ain't got long to stay here. Green trees are bending. You reckon that could have meant where they needed to meet up? And you're going to hear the word thunder. Uh, they were known for running when it was raining so that there were no traces, no tracks. But when they were slaves, they were owned. They had no choice. They, they did what the master wanted. A bond slave in scripture was not, Jesus doesn't have that kind of slaves. When we become a slave to Jesus, we are bond slaves. And that is a slave that says, you know what? I've got it so good with this master. I choose to stay his slave. And in the New Testament, they would pierce one ear. And when you walked down the street, everybody would know that you were a bond slave. You had chosen 
that you wanted to be a slave to that master. Paul says he is a bond slave to Jesus Christ. He has chosen to be there. So we become his slave. And so you can have two masters, he says here. A bond slave was totally committed to one master. And what Jesus is saying is you can't be a slave to two. You can't belong to two different people. Just one. Romans 6 says, now that we have come to Christ, we must yield ourselves as servants to him. So we are now his slaves, so we're no longer slaves to sin. We're his slaves. So we serve God exclusively, one master, single-mindedness. If I try to split that devotion between God and money, I'm going to be a miserable walking human. There's going to be constant turmoil, constant confusion. There's going to be a fight. That tension's going to build up because it's spiritual warfare. It's between the war of the spirit and the war of the world, the war of the devil. And so then we start to make excuses and we try to justify ourselves and we restrict the Lord and it wears us out. And Jesus is saying, don't do that. He's saying, you can't do that. It'll mess you up. So we get to choose our master. I love these Old Testament folks, and I'll close with this. Caleb in the Old Testament said, I wholly followed the Lord. David, Psalm 16, I have set the Lord always before me. What does he mean by that? Singleness of purpose. An undivided heart. Singleness of purpose. Next time, we're going to talk about Worrying about money. See you then. Write it down. God bless you.